Hey, CF family, thank you for joining us today. We really hope that this message encourages you and blesses your life. Well, before you hear this powerful teaching, I want to encourage you to share this message with someone who needs to hear the gospel. You never know what this message can do to the life of that person. Also, we want you to know that wherever you're watching us from, you can still impact the lives of others through your giving. It is through your generosity that we can keep pushing the kingdom of God forward in our city and all over the world. Giving is safe and simple. You can go to our app or you can go to our website, cfmiami.org give. Well, God bless you and I hope you enjoy this message. And children of God, listen, you have to love that line that not for a minute, not for a minute in your life did the good Lord forsake you. Every single minute of your life, He has guided you, protected you, provided for you, loved you. What a wonderful God we have, amen? Not for us minute in our lives. Come on, you can do better than that. Amen, come on. Man, it is a great day to worship God. Welcome everyone. Great to have you here today. My name is Omar, and I have the honor and the privilege of serving as the lead pastor here at Christ Fellowship. And if it's your first time joining us today, maybe online or maybe one of our campuses, listen, we are thrilled. We are honored that you have decided to join us today because we are at our second week of a series called Chasing Wind. And we have been looking and studying a book called Ecclesiastes, which, are, which is the last final writings of the wisest man who ever lived, and his name was Solomon. And last week, we looked at chasing wisdom. This week, we're looking at chasing pleasures in this world, all right? And so, man, I am ready and excited to dive into God's Word. Are you all too, yeah? All right. And so wherever you find yourself, open up your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter one, chapter two, verse one. And you can follow along with me as I read. Listen to what God's word says. This is Solomon speaking. He said, I said in my heart, come now, and I will test you with what's the next word? Pleasure. With pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this also was vanity. In other words, Solomon came to a point in his life where he wanted to pursue all the pleasures that this world had to offer him, but he came to a point where he realized that that too was vanity. Man, that is God's Word. You can go and take a seat at all campuses. Again, it is great to have you here with us. And to start off, let me, let me start off by sharing this with you. You know, many of you know that I actually grew up in a Christian home going to a Christian school with Christian values. And by the, by the grace of God, God showed grace in my heart early on. And so when I was about six or seven, I came to know Christ as Savior. But as, as I was growing up, you know, there were still certain little areas in my life that I had not fully surrendered to the Lord. And so when I was in my early 20s, I, I realized all that God had for me, His plan for my life, what, what, he, was, what he wanted for me, and I came and I surrendered every single area. And folks, from that point on, listen, my walk with Christ took off and I was never the same from that point. But folks, follow me here. 
Because one day after this, I was at my mom's house, and I think I was outside washing the car or something like that. And someone that I knew, that I grew up with, who I love very, very much, he passed by and he slowed down and we, I went up to his car and we started just catching up. And I was just talking through him over the window and we were, you know, catching up and talking about the, the good old days. And so in the middle of the conversation, I began to share with him how I surrendered my life to the Lord, how things were different and, and all the great things that God was doing in my life. Mind you, you know, I was excited to talk to him because he grew up in, the, in a similar household, going to the same school, and so I wanted the same for him. And so after I shared all that God was doing in my life, he, said, he told me something that I would never forget. He said, Omar, man, I am glad to hear what God is doing in your life. Man, I, I'm so happy for you. But I just can't surrender my life to the Lord like that. And I said, why? Why can't you? And folks, this is what he said. He says this, Omar, I still want to be able to enjoy life. I, I still want to be able to pursue pleasure and, and do fun things and have fun and be happy and, and, and enjoy life. So, so maybe, Omar, maybe when I'm a little older, once I've had my fun when I was young, maybe when I get older, I'll get right with God and I'll surrender my life. But for right now, listen, I just want to enjoy life. I want to pursue pleasure. I want to do the things that I want to do. And everyone heads up because, folks, when he said that, I was shocked. And, and I began to realize that in his mind, there was a huge divide. There was a huge disconnect. Because for him, pleasure and God were in direct opposition. You see, joy and obedience could not coexist. For him, happiness and, and, and holiness were not possible. And so for him, he was living a life where his perception of God was that if I want to pursue pleasure, I really cannot be right with God. And church, let me just bring that whole story over to our time together because what an example of how many people view God. See, see just like for him, Pleasure and, and obedience to God were in direct opposition. Listen, just like that. And here's the big idea, the main idea as we open up God's word. You know, many people view pursuing pleasure, enjoyment, and walking with the Lord, walking in obedience to be in direct opposition. See, for them, they have to either pick to enjoy life right, or pursue God. And folks, there can, there's nothing could be further from the truth, amen? amen? And who knows, maybe you're here right now. Maybe you're one of our campuses. Maybe you're watching online. And that's exactly where you're, at, where you're at. Because the reason that you have not surrendered certain areas in your life is because in your mind, 
you have to either pick enjoyment or pleasure or be right with God. And so in your mind, there's that disconnect, that divide that exists. And so you may be wondering, Omar, if, if God wants me to enjoy life and find pleasure, how can I do that while still being right with God and walking with the Lord and pursuing the Lord? How can I do that? How can those two things live together? Well, we're going to find out from Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 1, all right? So if you have your Bibles, turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 2. You can fire up your Christ Fellowship apps. And today, listen, I have three thoughts for us about the pursuit of pleasure in your life. Are you all ready to go? We ready. Are you all ready? We ready. Yeah, so write this down as point number one. Listen, here's the first thing. Chasing pleasure is a God-given desire. Amen. Now let's go to the passage for today and listen to what it says. Again, Solomon said, come now and I will test you with what? Pleasure. With pleasure. So enjoy yourself. Now, now, now pause right there because last week we saw how Solomon spent all of his energy chasing earthly wisdom. And now in chapter 2, right, he's shifting his focus to pursue earthly pleasures. Now, chasing pleasure and enjoyment uh, is something that really all men have in common. You know, what we all disagree with, every person disagrees with, is how to pursue pleasure, what brings them enjoyment, but make no mistake about it. Every single one of us, listen, we pursue enjoyment, we pursue pleasure. And this longing that you have in you, listen, that is not a bad thing, that is not a sinful thing. In fact, it is actually a good thing. See, your creator, when he made you, when he engineered your soul, he hardwired that desire in your heart. In fact, part of what makes us fundamentally human is that we pursue pleasure. We pursue enjoyment. And if there was someone who would be good at pursuing pleasure, had to be good old Solomon, right? In fact, Scripture says that not only was he the wisest person who has ever lived, Scripture also mentions that he was the wealthiest person who has ever lived up to that point. So folks, not only was he the wisest person, yeah, he was the wealthiest person who ever lived. And so listen to his next words because they are powerful, powerful words. Listen to what he says next. He says, come now, Solomon, and I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this also was what? Vanity. Vanity. Now, if you have your Bibles open, circle the word vanity. Because the word vanity in the original Hebrew text, you know, we always like to remind you here at Christ Fellowship that the Bible was first written in Greek and Hebrew, right? And then translated into different languages. Well, the original Greek, uh, Hebrew word here for vanity it's the word hebel, which simply means like a vapor or a breath. That's right. And so, so the idea is, you know when, when it's cold outside, like right now, right? I don't think it's that cold, but that, that you breathe out and your breath goes out. You see your breath for just a moment, and then it dissipates. We've all seen that, right? Yes, sir. Church, so that's the idea behind this word vanity. Something that is so short-lived that it just, it's almost like a vapor. It disappears. It's not lasting. 
And so what Solomon at the end of his life is saying is that all the pleasure in this world was so vanishing, was so brief, was so insignificant. You may be thinking, wait, Omar, wait a second, Omar, didn't you say that pursuing pleasure was a good thing? Yes. But Solomon realized at the end of his life, and what he's trying to awaken us to understand today at Christ Fellowship is, is this. Write this down as big number two. Is to not seek pleasure apart from God. Amen. In fact, listen to how Solomon pursued pleasure. Listen to what it says in verse two. He said, I said of laughter, it is mad, and of pleasure, what uses it? I searched my heart, how to cheer my body with wine. My heart so guided me with wisdom. And how to lay hold of folly, of foolishness, of parting, of all that life, right? Till I may see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. And so Solomon, like many people today, they pursue pleasure in maybe nightlife. They go out drinking, they go out partying, they have a good time. And so if you think you're good at partying, listen, nobody was better than Solomon. And so Solomon went out there and explored that life. And after that, listen, then he shifts his focus and he starts to build great things. Listen to verse four. He says, I made great works and I built houses, estates, planted vineyards for myself and made myself gardens and parks and planted them in all, and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees and made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. So now Solomon, with all his wealth, he begins to build estates, right? Homes, beautiful things, you know, things with views and pools and all these different things that all of us, we, we wish to even imagine a home to live like that. Well, listen, Solomon made many of those. He built estates and all these things that he could that he can do, and then he shifts right over to, bu to business endeavors, right, investments. He was trying to accumulate more wealth. And so listen to what he says in the next verse. He says, so I acquired male and female servants, and I had servants born in my house. Yes, I had great, greater possessions of herds and flocks than all who were in Jerusalem before me. And I also gathered for myself silver, and gold, and the special treasures of kings and of the provinces. So what, so what now, he, he begins to build his empire, right? He begins to build buildings, just like many of us today, we want to be buildings. They think building a, a, a company or something will bring pleasure. So he starts amassing more and more and more, building and building and building. And folks, after that, then he goes, he goes and explores sexual pleasure in every which way. In fact, listen to the next verse. He says, I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, women for pleasure, that delight of the sons of men. You know, it's sad to say, church, that what drew Solomon away from the Lord was the pursuit of pleasure, specifically when it came to women and sexual pleasure. And it's sad, when you start reading his story, you see his downfall in 1 Kings chapter 11. In fact, let me just read to you what happened there. 
It says, now King Solomon loved many foreign women, many of the women that God said not to marry. And he had, listen to this, 700 wives. Listen, I can barely keep one happy. You know what 700 is? It's a lot of people, it's a lot of women, right? A lot of wives who were princesses. And on top of those 700, he had 300 concubines for sexual pleasure. But folks, here's what's sad. And his wives turned away his heart. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. You know, it's sad to say that even today, many people are either lured away from God or stay away from God because they don't want the Lord to intervene with the romantic or their sexual life. They think that if I have to pursue the Lord, all this area, I'm not going to be able to enjoy myself, and therefore, I'm not going to pursue God when in reality, it's quite the opposite, right? God has a plan for us in our romantic relationships and our sexual lives, amen? amen? But you know what? After all this, after his pursuit of all this pleasure, here is what Solomon concluded. Write this down, it's letter A and B. Pleasures without God are both fleeting and empty. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. In fact, listen to what Solomon said next in his old age. He said, and whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. And I kept my heart from no pleasure. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity, all was like a vapor, and it was like striving or chasing after the wind. And there was nothing to be gained under the sun. And church family, here's what I want to bring your attention to. We just read 11 verses from God's word, from Solomon's account. And nowhere in this entire passage did Solomon ever mention God or remember God. Meaning that everything that he did, God was not involved. He, God was completely disconnected from his life. And church, listen, what an image of so many people. Because so many people, they're pursuing enjoyment. They're pursuing pleasure in their life, but God is nowhere to be found. And I'm not even talking about unbelievers. I'm even talking about the believers because so many say that they have a relationship with Christ, but when you look at their life on Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, God is nowhere to be found. God is nowhere to be found. It's completely disconnected. It's almost like they come to church, they do the God thing, right? They're going about their business, they're doing their thing, they're checking off the box. But the truth of the matter is that God is nowhere involved in their life, in their pursuit of joy, in the pursuit of pleasure or enjoyment. 
And it's a sad state of affairs when someone pursues things of this world apart from God. You know, C.S. Lewis, the great author from the early 1900s, once said this, and many of us have heard before, but listen to how powerful this, this statement is. He said this. He said, it, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. For we are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition, when infinite joy is offered us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea. We are far too easily pleased. So folks, here's what I want to challenge us today. If that good Lord would look down upon your life right now, what is the mud pies that you are playing with wow. that in your mind are the greatest things in the wow. world? Wow. What is the mud pie in your life? Is it something that C.S. Lewis said? Is it drinking? Is it sex? Is it ambition? Is it a car? Is it clothing? Is it uh, a business ventures? Is it fashionless? And you know, you know what, what is it that the Lord is looking down upon you right now and you think like you are playing with the greatest thing in the world, but the truth of the matter, in his eyes, you are playing with mud pies, just like those children. What is it in your life? At some point, you have to self-examine your own life and ask yourself, what are the things that I'm fooling around in this world that don't have any lasting consequence? Because this is going to happen. At the end of your life, listen carefully, you are going to look at your hands just like Solomon did and realize that all that was vanity. You know what? You don't have to wait till the end of your life. Listen, it doesn't matter how old you are. Think about all the pleasures, all the good things you thought you did in life, all those. What do you have to show for right now? How lasting was that experience? Vanity. Like a vapor. You don't have to be in your deathbed to realize this. You can think about it right now. All those things that you tried to pursue so much, it's like chasing the wind. And so folks, here is what Solomon is trying to teach us today. Write this down as big number three. Listen, child of God, seek pleasure in and through God. Amen. In fact, listen to what David, Solomon's father, said in Psalms uh, chapter 16. He said this. David said, you, O God, you make to me, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy, and in your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You know, sad to say that Solomon, even in all of his wisdom, forgot the words of his father. 
that in God there is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. And folks, listen, one day when we stand in God's presence, at the end of our lives, for those of us who are in Christ, when we stand before God and we see God for who he truly is, listen, we will be filled with so much joy and with so much pleasure that we have never experienced ever in this lifetime. Amen? Because here's the thing, when we stand before God, listen, there are caverns in our souls. There are caverns deep in our hearts that the pleasures of this world can never reach. But the moment that you stand before your creator, the one who made your soul and whose soul is for, your heart will be filled with infinite joy and pleasures in the presence of God. How many of you are looking forward to that moment in your life? But here's the thing, we haven't seen God yet, right? And so we have not experienced that yet. However, so the question is, how do we find pleasure in God now? Because at times, we can be guilty of making grand statements at church, find your pleasure in God, but they can sound very ethereal, like what do you mean by that? How do you find pleasure in God? Well folks, look, there's two ways, first of all, you find your pleasure in God and who God is in his character. You see, when you approach God's word and you have the wrong preconceived notions of who God is, right? Everyone has their own way of thinking of who God is. But you start reading his word and you start reading who he truly is. And you start realizing his sovereign power. Even in your salvation, he was sovereign over your life. You start realizing his grace and his mercy, how he can be loving and kind and full of justice at the same time, how he is an infinitely creative God, and you look around and you see his holiness and his plan, and you see everything working according to his will. Listen, when you start reading and understanding God and seeing his character, listen, you begin to delight in God, don't you? You become to be, you're such an awe and wonder that you just begin to find pleasure in the character of God. But folks, not only that, you also find pleasure in the display of his character in your life. Now listen carefully here. Everything, as long as it is not sin, I'm going to say that again because some of us need to hear this. Everything, as long as it is not what? Sin. Sin should be enjoyed in light of God. Let me give us some examples to understand what I'm saying. Two men, individual men, could be walking down a beautiful beach watching an amazing sunset on vacation And one man could be thinking, wow, that's such a nice sunset. I'm glad I got time off of work to be on vacation. While the other man walking, he's looking at that and and he looks at the sunset. But folks, he just doesn't look at the beauty of the sunset. He looks and says, wow, look at the creativity of God. Look what I'm seeing. Look how God is so creative, so powerful. And he begins to thank God, Lord, thank you for giving me the moment, the ability to be here on vacation so I can witness your majesty, your creativity. Same experience. 
two different ways of approaching it. So for example, you can have two moms with their child. One mom can just be happy about their baby. The other one is looking at this child and thinking, wow, God has shown me so much grace. What a gift from God. And as she begins to see that child, she's just seeing and thanking God for giving her the blessing. And she's already thinking, how can I lead this child in the way of the Lord? How can I raise this child in a way that honors God? See, same situation, two different approaches. Here's one more. A couple could walk into a home, their forever home, and one of them is just happy because they found that home they're looking for, while the other couple walks in and and says, Lord, thank you. Thank you that you have provided for us, that you have given us the ability to work, and everything we have is of you. And so they look at the home, not just a home, but they see the providence of God around them, and now they're thinking, how can I use my home to glorify God? Can I lead a small group? What can I do for the glory of God? You see, both couples are enjoying the new house, but in vastly different ways. And so church, here's what I want you to realize. Anytime that you are about to enjoy anything pleasurable, enjoyable, fun, you have two choices. Either you start that experience apart from God, disconnected from God, or you can enjoy that moment with God, in and through God. You see, God is disconnected. He's very involved in that moment. And family, when you begin to involve, to find pleasure in God through those moments, here's what happens. Write this down as letter A. Listen, you start realizing that the pleasures in God are fully satisfying. Amen. In fact, don't, do not miss this. Everyone heads up for a moment. Because when the object of the pleasure is the experience itself, it is vanity and it vanishes. So quickly. But when the object of the pleasure is not the pleasure itself, but rather the giver of the pleasure, then it becomes lasting. Then it becomes fruitful. And here's why. Because your heart, your soul, was not meant, was not created, was not hardwired to find pleasure in that one thing. Your soul is created to find pleasure in the God who gave you that experience, that enjoyment. Amen? And so, folks, here's what happens. Listen, not only do you begin to experience things you've never seen, now every experience is seen in a different light. But here's the cool part. Write this down as letter B. Listen, the pleasure in God is actually the way that we glorify God. In fact, listen to what God's Word says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. It says, so whether you eat or you drink or whatever you do, meaning anything enjoyable in life, listen carefully, do all to the what? Glory of to God. the glory of God. Amen. In fact, if you have that Bible verse open, circle, mark the word glory. Because the word glory there in the original Greek text 
is the word doxa. And the word doxa simply means uh, the, the, the splendor or the revelation of something. That's what doxa, doxa means. And so when we say glory to God, we're not saying that we are making God more glorious. Why? Because he's already infinitely glorious. But what we're saying at that moment is that we are revealing a character of God in that specific moment to the world to see. So, for example, let's suppose there's a need in your life. And somehow, some way, God being faithful, he provides that need for you, for you. And then you say, glory to God. What are you saying when you say glory to God? Again, you're not adding glory to God. What you're saying is, wow, look how God provided for me. He is a provider God. And I'm letting the whole world see that he is the one who provided for me. Glory to God. Amen. And so when we find ultimate pleasure in God instead of the things of this world, what we are saying, the way we glorify, we reveal God, is because we're saying that we recognize as the children of God that ultimate pleasure is not found in the experience of this life, but rather in the giver of that experience. Amen? Amen. You see, don't miss this. We glorify what we find pleasure in. If you find pleasure, ultimate pleasure, in something in this world, you're glorifying that thing. But when you find pleasure, ultimate pleasure, in God himself, you glorify God. And here's what's awesome. Your enjoyment and your pleasure are not in direct of opposition to each other. In fact, they perfectly fit together because God's ultimate goal, which is his glory, And our deepest desire, our deepest longing to be happy, to enjoy life is one and the same. In fact, the Westminster Confession, it puts, they put it like this. They they say the chief end of man is to glorify God by enjoying him forever. The chief end of man, why man was created, was to reveal God, and the way you reveal God is by enjoying him forever. And and so let me just make it more personal. I'm going to now put a blank, right, where it says man, and when I read the statement, I want you to say your name out loud. Can I make it personal? Can we do that? Yeah. Yeah? All right. The chief end of is to glorify God by enjoying him forever. You want, to, you want another reason God created you? It's to glorify God. It's to reveal God to the world, who he is and his character. And the way you can do that is by finding your enjoyment in the Lord. You know, John Piper, a well-known pastor of our time, he puts it like this. He said, God is most glorified in us. God is most revealed in your life when you are most satisfied in him. Family, here's what I want you to understand. Finding your enjoyment and satisfaction and pleasure in God, it's not like the icing of the Christian cake. Church, it is the core of our Christian faith. It is the essence of of our relationship with God. Because a person 
who does not find their enjoyment in God, their pleasure in God, their satisfaction in God, whose God is not their treasure, is not a true believer. They're simply a religious person. But when you truly find your enjoyment in God, pleasure in God, you begin to be satisfying God, then it reveals that you are a true child of God because you are now finding not your pleasure in the things of this world, but in the giver of all the pleasure. Can I get an amen, Christ Fellowship, to that? And so church, let me end with this. The reason that I'm so passionate about this topic is because I had to make that shift in my life. When I began to realize who God was, everything changed about my life. And and now when I look, pull out my phone and I look at social media, I look at TikTok, I look at Instagram, I look at all those things. I see the emptiness of all that. Isn't that true? vanity, like a vapor, chasing wind. I recognize the emptiness of all that. And you may be here today for the first time at one of our campuses. You may be watching online. And you have begun to realize that all your life, all the pleasures that you pursued in life are empty. You've chased relationships. You've chased money, you've chased careers, you've chased hobbies. You look like a boat out in the middle of the storm trying to chase everything in life. But everything, at the end of the day, you're sitting here right now, and you realize that everything that this world has to offer is vain. And you're sitting right here right now, and you have nothing to show. Why? Because it's dawning upon you the truth in God's Word. That everything in this life is empty without God. And so you're thinking, oh, more, man, I would love to, to start this walk with God. I, I really feel like I need to get right with God. I've, I'm tired. I am tired of this world. I am tired of pursuing all these things. I am ready to start a personal relationship with Christ. I'm ready to surrender. How can I do that? Well, God's Word says this. For God so loved you that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. See, the way that you start a relationship with God is not come to church and do some religious rituals. No, no, there has to come a point in your life where you surrender, you come to Christ, and put, you, put, you put your faith and trust in the life, the perfect life of Christ, the death of Christ where he died on the cross for your sins and how he's resurrected for new life to give you a future and a hope. And folks, the moment that you put your faith and trust in Christ, he forgives you of all of your sins, every shameful thing he forgives you. He makes you his own, his, his son and daughter. You start a personal relationship with the Lord. And from that moment on, listen, for now and through all eternity, now you're walking with the Lord in a personal relationship, and now you begin to see things, experience things in light of God, not apart from God, but in God. And you start truly, finally experiencing true joy, true enjoyment, true pleasure in your life. The question is, would you put your trust in Christ today? Let's bow our head for prayer. My Lord, we... 
come before you today. And Lord, for those of us who have already trusted you as Savior, has put our faith in you, Father, thank you for the reminder in your word. Now, Lord, ultimately, in your presence there is fullness of joy, and in your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Thank you, Father, that you have given us, revealed to us what true pleasure and true joy is. Help us to live accordingly. And for those of us who are here today, who are ready to take that step of faith, in a few moments, I'm going to lead you through a prayer. But before I do that, with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, with no one looking around, this private moment, respect people around you. If you feel like at all campus, if you're like, man, I'm ready to pray that prayer, I'm ready to take that step. I want to, before I lead you in a prayer, I want you to, I'm going to ask you to do something that might take a little courage, but don't worry, I'm not going to make you stand up or come forward, nothing like that. It's just so that there's something in you when you acknowledge that. So if that's you, listen, if you feel like today I'm ready to start a journey with God, I'm ready to surrender my life, it's a new day for me. If that's you, with no one looking around and all heads bowed, if that's you, just slip up your hands and say, Omar, pray for me, I'm ready to take the next step. Anybody here today that says, Pastor, just pray for me, I'm ready. I see you. Anybody? I see you as well. Anybody else? I see you, sir. Anybody else? At all campuses. Anybody else? I see you. Anybody else? Listen, if you raise your hand, you can put it down. I'm going to lead you down through a prayer. And when you pray this prayer, you don't pray this to me. I'm only a man. I cannot save you. You pray to the God who loves you, who died for you, and has a plan for your life today. So pray this with me. Quiet it to yourself. Father, today I've realized the emptiness of this world. And I realize that all true joy, all true pleasure is only found in you. So I confess all of my sin before you. And I put my trust in you, O oh God. I surrender my life. Forgive me of my sins and give me everlasting life, O oh Lord. And from now on, Lord, let me live a life that not only honors you, but Father, let me enjoy life the way you intended me to live it so that I could truly experience life the way you envisioned for me. Thank you, Lord, for saving me and give you my life. Thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name I pray and all of God's people say, amen. amen. Hey, can we encourage those of us at all campuses, right, and online who came to know Christ? Listen, if that's you, listen, I want to challenge you. On your way out at your campus, I know it's a little cold, but you can stop by the next booth for just a quick second. I'm telling you, listen, it will get us a chance to connect with you for a quick moment, and we're going to give you a Bible. But listen, our pastors in the following weeks, we can help you now take steps in your walk with God because we want the best for you. You know, our desire, our mission here is to help you and your family follow Jesus. That's what we want for you. And so I want to challenge you. Listen, stop by the next step booth. There's a team of people who won't take much of your time, but it'll be well worth it, all right? If you're watching the line, go to cfmiami.org connect, and there fill out that form, and we will follow up with you as well. Well, I'm going to call all campus pastors to the front. Church, you got to be back next week for our third week on Chasing Win. Love you all. Have a great day.